Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you. My name's David. Uh, I'm the pastor here at Current. It was fun having a guest speaker last week. Uh, that's the second we've had in uh, the eight months we've been going. Um, so that's, that's fun. I'm, I'm, I want to try to have guest speakers here a little bit more often than two times in eight months uh, for, uh, for a number of reasons, one of which is, you know, God speaks in many voices, and so it's good to, um, to hear from, from others. And then also, the, it's also a great opportunity to see that uh, there's a lot of people behind uh, what's happening here at Current, a lot of people who are, in, uh, who are invested in thinking and praying for us and, and, and partnering with us. So that's, uh, that's one, of the, one of the benefits of that. Uh, today we're going to be looking at Genesis 11. If you have your Bibles or your apps or whatever, you can go and flip to that. Um, and we're going to be continuing our One God, One Story uh, teaching series here, which is basically a, a survey through the Old Testament. For the last eight months, we've been going through the book of Mark, looking at the life and ministry of Jesus. Uh, now we thought we'd go back and look at the Old Testament scriptures, which are really the, the, the text, the part of the Bible that leads up to Jesus' life, written centuries before him. And we're calling it One God, One Story, because in, these, in the Old Testament uh, texts, we not only see uh, God revealed in different ways, get to understand Him, His beauty, His love, uh, parts of His justice, and all those sorts of things, but the theme verse for how we've been uh, looking at this text is what we looked at two weeks ago in setting up this series. Uh, Jesus, after He rose from the, the dead, was talking to two disciples, and He gave them a little bit of a Bible study. It says in Luke 24, verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Moses is uh, accredited of writing Genesis through Deuteronomy, basically the first books of the Bible, and then the prophets, the rest of it. Beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. In other words, what Jesus was saying is when you look at the Old Testament, when you look at the scripture leading up to his life, it all whispers his name. All the events, the poetry, the laws even, they all point toward him and his love for us. And so what we're doing as we go through these texts, and really we're, we can't spend a whole series in the Old Testament or current, we'll just be here forever. So we're just going to kind of touch on a few, uh, some stories which are familiar, some stories which are less familiar, and we're just going to kind of do a, 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 a high-level survey of it. Um, and our goal, and our, as it is here today, is really twofold. What does this ancient text tell us that is relevant, that is current to our lives today? Um, as we're looking at the Tower of, of Babel or Babel, um, man, I'm seeing a lot of myself in this text. Um, so how is it relevant to us today? And number two, how does it point towards Christ and his love for us and our need for him? So that's really what we're going to do. For those of you guys who take notes, you note takers, you people, um, it, what the, the outline is going to be, we're going to be looking at a mandate that God gives us. I'm a note-taker, note-taker too, so don't, you know, I'm not trying to make fun of you. Uh, I'm, I'm putting myself there, too. Uh, we're going to look at the mandate, which will become clear here in a little bit, how the mandate is rejected here in this text, and how the mandate is fulfilled in Jesus. That will become clear here in a second. Um, but let me read the text, and then we'll get into it. Uh, so this is Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. 
Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Okay, so now getting into this, uh, these first few verses seem pretty innocuous, seem pretty like, what's, a, what a, uh, what, what's the big deal? Um, but there's a whole lot going underneath the surface. It says, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. Now, we need to understand the context of what's going on here, because that seems like, whatever, they just kind of moved to this place and no big deal. Wrong. Huge deal. They were in blatant disobedience to what God had been calling them to do. Uh, they were just saying, you know what? We're not going to take, God, what you want us to do. We're going to do our own thing, and we need to understand that within the context to really understand full, more fully what's going on here in the text. God had given them a beautiful, life-giving mandate. In Genesis 1, and then repeated a number of times leading up to Genesis 11, God said, I want to give you, I'm giving you a mandate as a people to go out and do for your, for your good. And that mandate, again, it's repeated a number of times, but in Genesis 1, this is at the creation account, it, it articulates it this way. God blessed them, that is mankind, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. There's the life-giving mandate. I've been reflecting on this mandate as, as we think about the text today. I think it's helpful for us to, to consider as we, as we set up um, uh, this Tower of Babel uh, story. Uh, so this, this beautiful mandate, what is it? First of all, he talks about filling the earth and subduing it. Uh, you know what's fun about that? Basically, I interpret that as the world is your sandbox. Go out, seek, discover, innovate, Minecraft. Those of you guys that know that game. Um, have you guys read the book, Oh, the Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss? In my humble opinion, that's his best. And you know what's funny is I never read it as a little kid. Someone gave it to me when I graduated from college, which is such a great gift idea, by the way. But I remember reading it and feeling so inspired. Kid, you'll move mountains. It's talking about all the opportunities that are going to come before you, uh, talking about how you can use your gifts, the, the opportunities that arise. There's going to be challenges along the way. You're going to move mountains, though. Your mountain is waiting for you, so get on your way. Uh, it's so inspiring. Look, if there's a culture that understands this this idea of discovery, innovation, getting out there and taking on the world. I want to say it's the Silicon Valley. I mean, we are living on the cutting edge of innovation. I mean, it's almost as if, I mean, you see this last week? I mean, it's like self-driving cars is like yawn now. I mean, we're coming out with flying cars. Did you see that in the, in the news? The New York Times did this little piece, the Kitty Hawk. It's just hovering over lakes right now, but we're, we're getting there. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's like... Uh, anyways, uh, and it's, 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 it's fun to see, you know, we've gone from, we've gone from being such generalist, I mean, literally Adam and Eve, they weren't even taking care of animals so much as naming them. I mean, going from generalist to specialists, and we get to be in Silicon Valley a part of that, that's part of the mandate, this exciting, thrilling, going out, discovering, progressing, taking care of the earth, um, and then also increase, uh, be fruitful and multiply or increase in number. What's that about, other than, you know, cue Barry White music? Um, it's talking about, you know, I've been thinking about this. It's talking about relationships. It's talking about community. 
because first you have uh, family units. And what's amazing about family units, and by God's grace, we've experienced this. I mean, for, you know, Cindy and I had each other, which was awesome. But then we had Caleb, and that was a whole new dynamic. And then we had, you know, little, little Maddie, which is a lot of new dynamics. Um, she's awesome. Um, but, you know, but then, and then there's communities and societies. Uh, and it, it's, it spreads out from there. Um, we, are, we are such social beings, are we not? We're created to be social. I had a, a, a leader here, a good friend of mine, uh, share about how he had the opportunity of hanging out with some good friends uh, recently that he hadn't seen for, for a number of years. And he was just talking about uh, the C.S. Lewis quote, which I think I've talked about from up, up front, uh, where C.S. Lewis, uh, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, and this guy named Charles William used to hang out, have beers, cigars, or whatever they did, and just kind of hung out, talk philosophy, literature, these guys, nerds and all that. Um, but they, they got together and they did that. And at one point, Charles died. And, and C.S. Lewis makes this profound statement of a thought. He says, you know, when Charles passed away, I actually lost a little bit of Ronald. That's J.R. Tolkien. Because Charles brought out of Ronald some of which that only Charles could bring out. And I was thinking about it. I was like, that's what's amazing. And, you know, my, my friend was telling me this. And I was just like, man, and, and actually he and his family have done that for us. And actually for many of you. And, and that's, we're built for community. I mean, this last week in our current groups, we kind of did the, it was the last uh, meeting of the uh, Bible study gathering of the, of the semester. And we just kind of took the time for, op- for reflection. And I heard this in some of your groups. Our group was so, oh my goodness. I just left so filled because everybody was sharing, oh man, this is what this group has done for me. This is how, you know, looking at God's word together, not just talking about random things, but really opening up and sharing what I'm really thinking, all that. It's just been an incredible, life-changing experience for me in a matter of months. We were built for community. Okay, so we're built for community. We're built to go out, discover, produce, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. What's behind this mandate? Why did God give us this mandate? Um, The summary of it, why he gave it to us, is for us ultimately to delight in him and he in us. That's why he gave us this mandate. He said, you know, the world is your sandbox, the relationship's out there, and I'm giving you this so that we can experience that, you can experience that with me, and I, you. That is why he created us, for us to bring delight to him in these wonderful ways, and for us to delight ultimately in him. Jesus said that. He said, what, he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He really summarized it. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you hear how the whole mandate is captured in all of that, the mind, will. We were built to be in this beautiful, never stagnant life. You know, let's take that next hill. What's coming over the next horizon? Relationship. The problem is we decided to choose our own path. We take that mandate. Uh, what we see with the people of Shinar here is they took the mandate and they either rejected it entirely in some respects or just said, you know what, this part we're just going to take and choose to use for ourselves. Um, so that's the mandate. What's the mandate rejected? We see this in verses 3 uh, through 4. Um, they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Now, there's at least three ways that I see they are rejecting this mandate. 
or changing it for their own, their own benefit and saying, forget God, we don't need you. Uh, the first one has to do with this thought of building a city for ourselves and the, this little worry they have at the very end. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the earth. What we see here is they're rejecting the mandate in coming in, into the plain of Shinar and settling. God, we're good right here. We're going to build ourselves a city. They, have, uh, they were not spreading, in other words, they were clustering because they had a love of security, they had a love for comfort, they had a love of community that they wanted to have for themselves. They're saying, let's build up ours. What do you do with a city? Especially when you're like moving along the plains, you say, you know what, we're just going to focus on ourselves for a little bit. Um, but you know what? They were missing out. Not only were they disobeying God, they were missing out on so much more that God was calling them into. And I think, you know, on a personal level, we all can relate to this. Uh, how many times, how, how many, every single one of us have any number of times in life where aren't we so glad we stepped out and did something that had we not done it, our life would be so much different otherwise? That interview that you're scared for, you said, you know what, I'm going to go for it. Or that career path, people are saying, I'm not sure you should do that, but you went for it. Or girding yourself up and asking her out. Um, or introducing yourself to somebody who became a lifelong friend. I mean, there's all these things. Life is at its best when we're doing those sorts of things. And often, uh, hard, and we ha live in regret when, when that's not there. Uh, you know, to make this a lot more practical, you know, these guys are just disobeying and not going out and just building up their, themselves. You know what, in my humble opinion as a pastor's kid, I think this is something people shine our show that happens in a lot of churches, sadly. Because a lot of churches can be known for building up our city, build, becoming more, about, more a club than a people living on mission. But we are called as a church to constantly living outward, looking elsewhere, not just building up our own walls, but thinking and, and blessing others. You know, Jesus, in, in his earthly, uh, after he, he rose from the dead, uh, clarified and took this mandate even a little bit further. And he said, you know what? Go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, go. Don't be, don't be focused on building your own cities, your own comfort, but get out there. And you know what? That can happen in our own backyard. Uh, one of the things I love about uh, and admire about many of you in this room is you've done that here with this church startup. Uh, you know, in a ragtag sense, we don't know what's going to happen unless God shows up sort of way. We're going to fall flat on our face if he doesn't do something. Uh, sacrificing to start a church, being persistent, sticking with it, um, locking arms with people. Um, and boy, we've been at this for eight months and we're already seeing so much life change. It's just such a privilege. It's such a joy. Um, but it takes not being comfortable with ours looking to take care of our own security, because that's what God is calling us into. He's calling the people of Shinar, humankind. He's like, you can actually find your security in me. Um, you know, just to, add, just to think about this in terms of application, uh, and I'm asking myself that this this week, is where might you have settled? You know, these guys settled in the, settled in the, in the plain of Shinar, which, by the way, is Babylon, Babylonia, in case you're wondering. But where have you settled? You know, in your workplace, you know, I got my relationship here and here, and well, we talk about these things, but I don't want to take things there. Um, in our neighborhood, Cindy and I just moved. It's really easy, especially after, you know, the exha exhaustion of moving, just to be like, I'm good in my walls right here. Thank you. But Cindy, bless her heart, is like, hey, we got to go meet our neighbors. Let's go out and hang out at the park. Um, and I never want to go. I'm always glad I did. 
I'm glad you're laughing, but I'm, that's dead serious. I'm serious. I'm so, because that's where the best happens. Best, oh my goodness, I don't want to get emotional as I say that. The best life change and, and, and relationships happen uh, when we go and we, we don't just settle. And by the way, if you're here today and this is your first time checking out the church or you're still trying to figure it out, um, come to the meeting today. We'll share more of this, uh, more of what we're about, what we're trying to do. But our desire is for this to be a church without walls. You know, we don't just build up our thing. We want you to feel welcome wherever you're at spiritually. Come, join us, lock arms with us, trying to be a people on mission, loving God, loving one another, and loving the world, starting with our neighbors. Um, so the people in China, they were missing out and then obviously uh, uh, disobeying because they were so focused on fortifying their own security and their own comfort when they could have found their security in the Lord. Uh, the next thought I, I see here in terms of how they reject it has to do with all these first-person plural pronouns, all the, the us's, the ourselves, the we's. You see how many show up in these two verses? Says, they said to each other, come, let us, all right, let's, me, you, make the bricks and, and bake them thoroughly. Let, uh, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city, the tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the earth. What are the type of people who talk up their own game? Who are their own hype men? Hype men? Um, isn't that, uh, don't we talk this way when we have insecurity about things? Um, when we're living out of insecurity? Uh, that's the case for these guys. In fact, we actually see what their insecurity is. They name it. Their feelings betray themselves in this language. Let us make a name for ourselves. Their insecurity is in their own identity. If we build this tower, then people will know us. If we build up this city, then our name will be great. Oh boy, don't we do that? Don't we find, try to find our insecurity in any number of things? I mean, I love, they've discovered new tech. You know, it's like, hey, we got stone, I mean, we got brick out of stone. I mean, we discovered new tech. Hey, let's go build this new startup and we get our identity there. That's not to say, hey, doing these things aren't good. No, that's part of the mandate. But we twist a little bit. Um, we try to find our, our worth in relationships. I had a buddy uh, say to me, he articulated this way. He's like, man, I just really feel like I should have this, I, I need this relationship with this gal in order to feel complete. Jerry Maguire. Uh, he said it that way. Um, sorry. He's not here. He's not no one here, okay? So I feel like I said, man, I didn't say his name. So anyways, um, I, I need this relationship in order to feel complete. You know what was going through my mind when he said that? I was like, man, I love Cindy to bits, my wife. I love her to bits. Um, but even when things are going absolutely great, everything's wonderful, if I find my completion in her, so to speak, or she in me, I am or she is in an, a world of trouble. Took me probably about five years to figure that one out. Um, because what happens when we try to find our completion, our identity, even in a relationship, is first of all, not only will they not live up to us, but we're going to crush them ourselves with what we expect from them. Hey, you're not living up. It's just, oh my goodness. What's tragic about what's going on for the people here in Shinar is they had everything they needed, and it was the, the best thing they could have had going for themselves, and it was right in front of their face, and yet they missed it. I want to reread 
the original mandate, and actually this time add the context, some of the verses before and, and a verse afterwards. Uh, God made the wild animals according to their kinds, as Genesis 1, of course, the livestock according to their kind, and all the creatures move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, and the livestock, and the wild animals, and over the, all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, here's the mandate, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Jumping down a couple of verses, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. If you have read the creation account in the book of Genesis in the Bible, uh, you know that there's this refrain, and it was said here two times, there's this refrain that happens over and over again after God creates. He always says, and looks back at the creation he just made and said, it was good. You know, he created the sun, the moon, the stars. He looked back over it and said, it was good. He's, he's parted the seas and made land, vegetation. It was good. Here we saw it here, you know, he made the animals, and it was good. And then the, after the pinnacle of creation, making mankind, male and female, in his likeness, he looked over all that and said, it was very good. Here's what's so amazing to me about that. Before Adam and Eve ever spoke a word, before they ever took a step, before they accomplished one single task, they were already very good in God's sight. God already loved them infinitely. Uh, there was an interview on one of the late night shows with John Legend uh, this week, I think. Um, I, was, I, I read it through, a, through an article. Um, but he was, he was talking about his love for his wife and his new daughter, uh, Luna, who's about 15 months old. And he said something that caught the interviewer's attention. He said, uh, yeah, my, the love I have for my wife and my little girl is different. And so, you know, he was asked, well, what do you mean? He said, well, my little girl hasn't yet earned my love. And I thought about that. I was, I was like, that's interesting. Um, but in contrast to that, that is what is so profoundly beautiful and amazing about God's love for you and for me. Before we say a word, before we take a single step, before we accomplish a single thing, God loves you. Deeply, profoundly. You don't have to build a high tower. You don't have to get recognition from other people to get your worth there or that elusive career, or that relationship, or whatever it is, you are already deeply, infinitely loved. I asked Cindy if I could share uh, an example with you, um, because it's just too timely uh, not to share, and she, she um, graciously agreed. Um, but there's something she's been wrestling with. This is, you know, God's love, in this sense, getting her identity and love uh, uh, from Him, has been something she's been wrestling through with these last few years. Because up, to, up until two years ago, uh, in the, the way that she uh, was building, the, her career was building things that pe the culture and people understand. You know, you, she was, you know, I don't know, building strategy decks for like the CEO of Gap. Um, she was starting, you know, she helped start the e-commerce for Gap in China. She's been off and on doing this, um, this consulting gig. Um, and, you know, the whole time, I've heard her share intimately this with, with friends, the whole time while doing these things, she was also attending church and, you know, involved in things. And if you had ever asked her, uh, you know, hey, what, you know, is your, where's your identity? You know, if you, you kind of articulate it that way, she would have said, no, my, 
worth isn't, my identity isn't in these things. It's in God, of course. But actually, after stepping out to follow God's calling in our family and working for current in a different, in a different way, in a different environment, she's think, starting to think, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that maybe my worth was more in those things. Um, and so she's been, I've, I've seen her personally wrestling through this, you know, losing sleep at times over this. Um, and she's just, it's amazing to me how much uh, God's been doing in her life. You know, is this something that she's like now understands? Oh, my ultimate worth is, of course, my security, my, my identity is absolutely in God. I mean, ask her. Ask her how much she's been learning in this, and she'll tell you. Ask her how much she's been learning about her gifts and giftings aren't just for, you know, her own self or for our own family, but to, unto the Lord. It's amazing to me. And the fact that she let me share that. I'd say ask her, but the, the reality is, this is each and every one of us. We all find our identity in different things. And these people in, the, in Shinar are just uh, showing this to us. It's so easy to find our identity in things elsewhere when we could find it in, in God, in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the worth that he's given us. The, the third thought here in terms of how they rejected the mandate, I think, is the deepest still. So we've seen kind of psychologically, that they've rejected having security in God. Emotionally, like, you know, relationships. We're just going to keep these relationships for us in our city, all these sorts of things. And then finally, we see that they're actually even struggling on the spiritual level. And we see this again in verse 4, when they say, let us build a tower that reaches to the heavens. Now, these towers actually, we know, we've uncovered them, they, they exist in the Near East um, in the ancient times. They're called ziggurats. I think I'm saying that right. I have no idea if I'm saying that right ziggurats, but they were man-made temples, uh, artificial mountains to help the people ascend into the heavens to offer their sacrifice to God. In other words, here's what we see in this text, a symbol of how you and I seek to find, to be actually our own saviors through our own personal and social accomplishments. But check out God's uh, response, and we'll, we'll unpack this a little bit more. Um, Verse 4 says, hey, let's build a tower that reaches to the heavens so we may make a name for ourselves. And then verse 5, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that people were building. Let me uh, translate that for us. He came down and said, oh, that's cute. This little thing? Awesome. Um, you guys are so adorable. Actually, he's not saying that. Moses is kind of, the, the guy who wrote this is kind of implying that. The Lord said, uh, if as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that we will, they will not understand each other. Now, what's going on there? Is, is God feeling threatened by these guys? Uh, I think absolutely not. Otherwise, why would he come down and say, oh, this is so cute? He's not feeling threatened. So what's going on? Why would he say, oh, my goodness, we gotta, we gotta, I got to change things up here. We got to watch out. Well, again, context is a very, very helpful thing. Uh, we see a number of times, even before Genesis 11, and then it's a theme throughout the Bible, that God knows the heart of mankind. This side of the fall, this side of what we looked at last week as a church, he knows, this, here's it in Genesis 6, he repeats it twice in Genesis 6 and then any number of times in the Bible. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Romans 3 famously puts it this way, there's no one righteous. All have turned away. God didn't feel threatened here by like a rival. Uh, he knew what we were capable, he knows what we are capable of. 
And that, by the way, is we're able to accomplish a whole lot, and we often use that whole lot for ourselves, building up for ourselves. And he had to come down and thwart it. And if you want examples from history, you don't have to look too far for that. When countries, nations, communities, religious institutions become about ourselves, there's real trouble that can come. And I don't want to get political, because you, you, if you've been around, you know this is not my thing. But this is one of the things that makes me nervous about right now, the political climate of talking about, you know, us first. Um, hey, I'm, hey we, I'm praying for our leaders, and I'm supporting our leaders in, in different respects. But, you know, it's, and, and by the way, it's a really complicated issue. When you talk about, you know, working, um, you know, the Capitol, the White House, working with, with foreign powers that are, in wars for the craziest of reasons, by the way, themselves like rejecting the mandate, some of these dictatorships around them, the refugee crisis, this is all really hard stuff to figure out. So we've got to be praying for them. My point, though, is you don't have to look too far to understand that if we go us first as a nation, us first as a community, as a church, us first as a family, me first, all the way down, if we do that, we're in trouble. Uh, one, it can lead to real harm, but number two, it also means we're, we're living unfulfilled, which at the end of the day, that's what these guys in Shinar were trying to do and reach the heavens. They're trying to be their own saviors. They're trying to find the fulfillment. They're trying to, in other words, be their own gods. The human condition, however, is nothing that we do can reach the heavens. But the gospel is, verse 5, but the Lord came down. That's how this text points to Jesus. Jesus came down. We could never reach up the, spa the span, the space between us and God. The original tent of the, man the uh, intent of the mandate, having a relationship with God, was just insurmountable. We couldn't span that gap, but heaven came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And what's amazing to me is all of what we've been talking about, all their struggle, all your struggles and mine, Jesus faced, and yet fulfilled the mandate. Take, for instance, security. I mean, son of God, security of heaven, that sounds like pretty good security. In all senses of the word security, he gave that up. To live among us poor, vulnerable, exposed, community. He didn't save that for himself. Did you hear in the mandate, did you hear, even hear in this early text, come, God said, let us go down. Let us make them ma mankind, male and female. Let us, that's Little echoes of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son. Jesus gave up that wonderful, perfect community to come down and be with us. Or take the whole thing about identity. I mean, this one's just great. I mean, there's times, I mean, first of all, if you're in heaven and everybody's praising you, the angels and all that, that's, that's pretty good identity. You get a pretty good identity there. He gave all that up, walking around. His disciples didn't even really know who he was until like two and a half years into it. They said, oh, you're the Son of God. There was one time he's traveling through his hometown, and everybody's like, hey, wasn't this the guy who's, isn't this Joseph and Mary's son? Why should we listen to him? I mean, can you imagine? And most of all, what did Jesus do to fulfill this mandate for us, to restore the relationship that we have with God, is of course he went to the cross. After living the life that we should live but could never live, he died the death that we deserve, that we might have a restored relationship with him. That's the gospel. But God came down. And so you can receive this today. I mean, really, there's, there's two, 
application points in this respect. You can receive it today. Jesus said, uh, John said, to all who believe on his name, to those who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. Not because of anything you and I can do, not a tower we can build, anything, but just because of what he has done for us. And number two, if you have received that, it's resting in that. Or to borrow a word from last week, which I thought was fun, it's relaxing in that. Knowing that God loves us, takes care of us, calls us to follow him in this mandate, but even as we don't, he forgives. Uh, you know, one, one more fun thought here before we, we wrap up. Um, you know, other than, of course, this text ultimately pointing to Jesus and his love for us, he came down. It's otherwise a pretty, it's, it's kind of a downer of a story, isn't it? I mean, Jesus, God came down and he, like, messed them up. Like, that's, there's no, like, real up, pick-me-up. And actually, one of the things I love about that is that leads us into next week's text, where God calls a people for himself to live a different way than the people of Shinar and, and mankind at that point. Anyways, stay tuned. Um, what's really cool, other than this being a downer, is check out what we get because of their sin and rebellion. We got languages. We got all the world's cultures. I, li- I got to live in China for two years. These are some of the greatest years of my life. The people of China are so, uh, they're wonderful. The food, you know, the history. We live in the Silicon Valley. 37% of the population here is foreign-born. Did you know that? Over 50% of us speak a language other than English at home. If you want to have awesome but affordable Vietnamese, you know, Guatemalan, we live in that. It's so awesome. Now, do we as you know, as a culture and cultures have to work through things? Of course. You know what it's an ultimate picture of? We were just singing of about it. It's an ultimate picture of heaven in its great diversity. But what I love about it is it all came out of someone messing up, people messing up, which is so encouraging, I hope, for you, because if you at all are, you know, it's heavy upon your heart, oh, man, I got this in my life that I've done, or I'm doing this, or God loves he forgives, and he's working it out for good. He's in the business of bringing beauty out of even the ugly parts and light out of darkness. Um, so it's an invitation here. The, the original mandate, it's there. It's an invitation. It's a beautiful one, to, and we get to enjoy it with, with God, our Father, our Creator, because Jesus took care of it for us. And so it, it's an invitation to find our security in him, to find our identity in him, and to rest ultimately in the life that he gives us. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you so much for a, 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 such an ancient text here, the, the story of the Tower of Babel. Oh, my goodness. It's so, it goes back so far. And yet, oh, my goodness, how relevant It is to our lives. Father, we just, we just confess here and now, man, we're, we're not good at the original mandate. Taking the grace of life and creation, taking care of it, we're not really good at that. Often, more than not, we do take it and abuse it or just reject it, all, just do our own thing altogether. But we thank you for sending Jesus to restore a relationship with you. Um, would you forgive us and would you help us and even especially as we look next week, would you help us as a church just really shine as a light? Um, not because we have it all figured out or we're sinless people or no, 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 no. It's because we're following the one who forgives us, loves us, pours out his grace. Lord, as we uh, take communion now, would you, would you just be here now?
God. We just, uh, just want to encounter you, be touched by you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, at this time, we're going